What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. It's been a week since we last seen you, but thank you guys for tuning in. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy holidays. Hope everyone's having a safe and happy holiday season. And Ronan, it's good to see you as well. It's been a couple of weeks. Today, we're going to be talking about the East. We're going to stay on the East side of things. We're going to be talking a little bit about our Cavs and do a little check in with the Bucks. Apparently, Ronan has a, we can't leave them alone. Um, we're also going to talk about one of the most impressive teams in the East, the Detroit Pistons. They're, they're setting records out here. And we're going to stop by one of our favorite teams that we talked about in the offseason, the Orlando Magic. But first and foremost, my friend, it's good to see you. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited to, for what we have to talk about tonight. Obviously, really, really buzzing to talk about the amazing Detroit Pistons. No, I'm messing. Uh, really excited to talk about the Magic, have a look into what's made them so good this year. Uh, obviously, I have my little rant about the books, but... Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's been fun watching basketball over the last while. There's a, there's a few interesting things, especially in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Well, first, first and foremost, actually, this is a very important question that goes beyond basketball. You had your first American Thanksgiving, I believe. I did. What 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 are your thoughts on the uh the absurd amount of food, the the ridiculous amount of sides, the the naps? Is it all the same? It's different. Are you impressed? Are you? Disgusted? I mean, yeah, obviously it's cool. I like, <laughs> I, I love my food. So it's nice to have this sort of meal in November and not have to wait all the way till December for it. Okay. Are you, are you a turkey guy? I, I like my turkey. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm You're an like, okay. Guy. Okay. Okay. Good man. All right. That, that is a very uh, controversial topic here, but anyways, one controversial topic and we'll start off positive one controversial topic and the off season was me and you talking about the magic and I have to remind everybody, I wasn't sure how on board you were like, you're a little wishy-washy. Have they proven to you that they are the real deal? Nine wins straight. I mean, they definitely have proven that they're they're top of that list that I did, and not and, and not the uh, the Indiana Pacers as in when what was it teams that that uh, will break their playoff hoodoo? They they should have been top. You you made that point when when we did it, and uh, it looks as though that you were right. I mean, the Magic have won nine straight. They've tied a franchise record. They can break that tonight if they beat the Brooklyn Nets. They are 14 and five. Like imagine at the start of the season saying 20 games into the season, they're going to have a better record than the Milwaukee Bucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, who would have, who would have, who would have believed that? I mean, it's been, it's been a really impressive start and all through all the work that they're getting through the, obviously Bancaro and, and Wagner are really getting going. It's great to see them. Like you, you talked about them as how, how crucial they can be as, as big guys who can make plays. And then the importance of Jalen Suggs, I think he's really been a catalyst, mm-hmm. especially on the defensive end for them. And that's why they've got the second best defensive rating in the league, which just seems crazy. Yeah, their their defense is insane. And I, I love that they're getting so much attention uh, these past couple of weeks because people are, are seeing them um, not just beating up on the bad teams, which good teams have to do. You know, beating up on the Hornets, beating up on the Wizards. And unfortunately, I have to classify my Bulls, also another bad team to beat up on. But you know, really making problems for the Celtics. And they've done this the past couple of seasons now that the Celtics have not been able to, to get a win on the magic. And it, they feel like trap games last year, but this year, you know, now this is a new perspective. Like they're just a really hard team to score on. I mean, you look at all the sides they have everywhere, all the switchability and like just the identity of these players. Like you look at Suggs, you look at Fultz, look at Anthony Black, a rookie that you throw in there when you have an injury and you just kind of hope for the best. But Anthony Black looks like an NBA defender. He plays like an NBA defender. He is smart. 
with the ball. And there's just so much versatility one through five defensively. Like there's, they, I'm curious if you feel the same about this, but the way they play defense doesn't feel fluky. It's not like they're creating a ton of turnovers and, and, you know, overplaying themselves. It just feels very steady. Like they're always in the right position. They're always making the right rotation, making the right read. And they are incredibly disruptive, but it's not like they're overdoing it. And it feels like it's something that will sustain itself throughout the season. I think that the Magic have arrived at a top five defensive formula. And I don't think that's really going to go anywhere. No, I think the the fact that it's based around the entire team, like it just feels like it's everyone buying in, everyone committed to to being a really good defensive team. And that's why unless that suddenly goes away for some reason, I don't see why the, the defense would drop off. Like you said, they're not doing anything spectacular. No player is really like going off with crazy steal numbers, crazy block numbers, anything like that. It's just buy-in that it looks like it's just hard work. It's this team saying, we don't want to be losers anymore. We want to win. And and the the first step to that is everyone buying in on the defensive end. And like you were mentioning, like they've, they've gotten wins. They've beaten the Bucks, the Nuggets, and the Celtics this year. They're beating teams that are expected to be championship contenders this year. They're not just beaten against the Minnows. And that's that's a big deal for, for a Magic team that obviously has struggled for so long. They've been around the bottom, around the lottery for what feels like forever. But now they're in a position where they feel that they've got their, their core, they've got their lead guys to really deliver for them. And obviously we mentioned the defense. On, on the offensive end, when you have uh, Mo Wagner and 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 Cole Anthony really delivering huge numbers off the bench. And then you got Franz and Bancaro really going off as your starters. I mean, the scoring is there to to really dig in when the defense is, is delivering for them. Well, I, I love Mo Wagner. I, I don't – are you a Mo Wagner guy? He's very polarizing. I mean, he might be more polarizing than Turkey. <laughs> I mean, the I don't know. he makes I, when he gets to dunk on people. <laughs> the shit does. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Like I, I think he is one of like the most like pesky guy. Like if you're a starter and you just you just got to the bench, you're watching a bench, you to play out there. And you just watch Von Wagner like hit a three, flex on the crowd, like he's just spitting everywhere. Like <laughs> he's he's a, he's the kind of guy you need. But no, their bench unit has been great. And, and I think offensively, just talking about, like, how they've been scoring, I, I thought that, you know, an improvement here would have come from, you know, them getting more shooting out of Gary Harris or maybe Jalen Suggs finds his rhythm being, like, a very consistent three-pointer. He's been better, but, you know, they've just been elite inside. They've been top five in the league and getting to the rim and a top two team in free throw rate. Um, second two, of course, basically Joel Embiid himself. And... That's something that's also sustainable. Like there, there's not a lot of shooting luck. They they have had, I will say, some shooting luck over the past nine games. Thirty-eight percent from three for them, I don't think is going to last, especially given that their their shooting rate is bottom two in the league. They're still not creating enough, light, and that's one thing that they need improvement on. But the fact is, they're able to, and this is what you have when you have a ton of big wings. You you flip it around the court, and they just keep getting downhill. They keep finding their their range right there, and I wonder if that will sustain itself in the playoffs. But I think that's a great conversation to, to start having is, you know, the Magic now are a team that, as you watch them in the regular season, it's not like, oh, wow, this is great. Look how much better they are. It's like, no, let's think about, you know, where will they take this when they inevitably are going to be in the playoffs? Because I don't think defense is not going away. 
the interior scoring is not going away, the ball movement, the buy-in overall, the, the culture that uh, Jamal Mosley's uh, fixed up here, like that is something that will sustain itself. And will they have, you know, what it takes to evolve over the course of the season to go to the playoffs. But that, the fact that we're talking about that now in December 2nd, that's insane to me. Like they, they've made a jump that I think I expected, but not this early. And it's pretty cool to see. Yeah, no, it's been it's been obviously really impressive. I mean, one thing that we know is going to stay in is Paolo Banquero shooting forty six percent from three. That is, uh, if he's anything, uh, if he if he only drops off by ten percent before the end of the season, that's a that's a that's a huge jump for him. Uh, it's it's interesting. The Magic are just it, it's just cool to see one of these teams finally coming out of the doldrums like we we we've seen with a couple of the other teams that are, are still right down there and and sucking ass. But the Magic have drafted well. They've created a culture, and now they look like they're really ready to actually put together a winning season, and not just a winning season, a season that should ultimately end them being in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And and I want to correct myself a little bit because I was, I was talking about Jalen Suggs, and he had a bad start, but now after these past nine games, he's lifted his three point percentage to thirty seven percent. And if he if he's hanging out there. On four and four and a half attempts, like that's just talking about shooting. That's something to to really to really think about where he goes. Paolo is not going to stay there. For no, he's his shot still seems a little bit slow, and he's still like a little bit. But th- this is something like um, that I think will change. I, I do think that um, he'll start taking more threes, and guys are just giving him in front space. The, the one thing that I'm surprised about is how. Um, inefficient France has been mm-hmm. from the perimeter, um, only shooting 31.6% right now from three. Um, um, he's taking the most threes. I think that'll that'll level out a bit. I expect him to be a much better shooter than this. And teams are giving them space. Like they realize that their best tool is going downhill. And you can't stop if if Paolo gets a step on you, he's too strong. If Franz gets a step on you, he's too good at just getting to his floater. He's got really good footwork, just getting around uh smaller guys. And just the way they look to against the Celtics, that's one thing that's super encouraging is that they can do this against a team that's just as big as them because they got that much skill and that much strength. But once they start really punishing guys who are leaving them open from three, I think it starts to open up a lot more. But at the end of the day, I mean, just hats off to the Magic where they've gone. We talked about the Rockets a few pods ago, how they've started to turn things around there. And Magic have really done the same. Like they really just have a, a serious culture here. Listening to a interview with uh head coach uh Jamal Mosley like he's really got buy-in and he really has developed a culture there and you just hear from the players like how much they believe in that especially having a young team what's their average age like 24.4 and that's with Joe Ingles who's like 100 years old like they're <laughs> one of the youngest teams in the league and they have such a mature outlook and such a winning mindset like it, it's going to be really cool to see them continue to build this out are you ready to make a prediction for the end of the regular season where the magic will finish? <laughs> where like top okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am. Um, I don't think they'll be in the play in. I think they will be a top six seed. Okay. That, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm I mean, I'm I'm willing to put that out there for sure. I mean, think about it. I mean, they, they I don't see why they couldn't match the Heat and the Knicks moving forward towards the end of the season. Say maybe if the Bucks, Bucks, Sixers and and uh 
And Celtics are the teams that are definitely going to be ahead of them. Outside of that, I think there's definitely reason to believe that they could match those other teams that are looking for those last few uh, those last few automatic playoff positions. Yeah, I, I don't want to jinx them here by saying it here because typically things go wrong when I predict this early. But <laughs> I I can't see the defense changing. I can't see the interior scoring changing. I can see their shooting magically getting better. It can't get worse. Like <laughs> They're not going to be worse at uh, shooting the three. But I mean, defenses will will begin to adjust to to try and stop Franz, to try and stop Bancaro, and force these other guys to score. And I think these other guys are ready; like they're 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 ready to take that on um, from from what we've seen. So that I will take that top six. I'll lock that in. Yeah, we'll Check lock that in. Game. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll go for that. We'll, we'll lock that in on the hot take board. Sure, why, sure, why not? Even though it's it's a midway through the season, that's, but that's a cold take now. Yeah. Told now, but let's. It might, it might, it might still be hot when we, uh, when we get uh, a bit further into these, and maybe if they go into a little low. But uh, let's go talk about another team that's just behind the Magic in the uh, Eastern Conference standings, the Milwaukee Bucks. Something about them that that game the other night just that just ate away at me watching watching them lose that game to the Bulls without Zach Levine and without Demar Derozan, and somehow Milwaukee doesn't come out with the win. And even more annoyingly, they only ran Damon Giannis only ran eleven pick and rolls in the entire yeah. game. Yeah, and that is just blowing my mind. Like, why are they not doing the pick and roll at a nauseum? They should be doing it way too much, not not enough. That that the books they're just really annoying me to start this season. It it feels like something they should be doing more. And I I got to be honest, like when I when I see Bucks. Bulls games, it gives me anxiety. I'm like, you know, I there are there are other productive NBA games that I can watch and then try to pay attention to because I will take that personally. I especially I'm like, oh, DeRozan's out, cool. Levine's out, all right. Yeah, that 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 will be a Bulls game I will miss. And that's that's the kind of game that they turn up. Kobe White puts in a crazy performance. Alex Caruso, the Caruso. Defense, as usual. <laughs> I I I have not. I cannot remember the last time Caruso like hit a clutch shot like that like that it's been a while for him so he deserves that what are you talking about he hit hit a clutch earlier in the season did he not hit a buzzer beater or he hit another one to to send it to ot i'm pretty sure Caruso did that i can't remember i I might be a little checked out for for my bowls here i'm 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 that's fair that's that's probably fair but again back get back to the books right how are we supposed to to evaluate the bucks here though because you know i feel like i'm still in a holding pattern i feel like it's gonna take time for for things to work out because you even look at how dame is playing with these guys and the rhythm is still developing it's not it's not 100 there so i feel like we're still holding them to the standard of looking like a championship team and it's not there yet for sure um if we're holding them to a standard of a very good team trying to like figure things out does that adjust your perception at all not really. I, I can't look at them as a team like that. A team that has Damian Lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, I'm not going to look at a team <laughs> trying to figure that's okay. trying to figure okay. it out. Fair, fair. They the 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 big thing that I I'm seeing is obviously I mentioned like the pick and rolls that that's annoying, but but the lack of buy-in from Damian Lillard on the defensive end is is a worry. It's not just that he's he's never going to be a great defender. Yeah, I get that. He's never going to be Drew Holiday. Obviously not. But it's just there's just no want or no real extra effort which you have to have if you want to succeed in the playoffs like he's got he can't just do that 
He can't just play willy nilly like he did with with the Blazers, and, and all he all he has to do is score forty, and that that was that everyone will just think he's great. If he wants to be part of a championship team, championship team, he wants to really succeed with this Milwaukee team. He has to buy in defensively, whether that's the coach not demanding enough from him, whether that's on on his side of things. That's one thing that's very noticeable early on, and something that will would concern me until I, I see a change. Can the Bucks win a championship if they're not a top seven defense? No, no, no. I think they're like, especially going up against the Celtics and going up against the the Nuggets. They like the defense needs to be there. I I will say that if Dame is really Dame and Giannis are at peak level, like we expected when this trade went down, then they've got a chance. But for the most part, I I'd probably say no. Can the Bucks have a top seven defense with Damian Lillard and Malik Beasley? in the starting lineup. I think they could get to that level. I think maybe not in the regular season. I think that that that's something that could be delivered on in, in the playoffs. I think if there's buying is a big thing. Like we're talking about with the magic, like buying in is is an important part of, of being a good defender. And that's something that we just don't see, especially from Dame. And if he just committed, he just wants to work hard. He just does the little things, does the basics, doesn't let guys get easy layups, runs back hard on on a on turnovers and little things like that, that that would make a difference for the books. I, I would say the we have to look at them a little differently, maybe, because I think we've known them as a just a, a juggernaut defensively, and then Giannis figures things out on the offensive end. You got a little magic from Chris Middleton, the mid post, the crazy shots he takes, and then you got a little bit of the the spacing that. They created with with the shooters around Giannis, and that all just kind of eventually made things work. Got a little bit of Drew here and there, but I think now it's like you have this burgeoning offensive super unit with the best driver in the league in Giannis. Like him getting to the bucket, that is the best offense in the paint. Dame is shooting from the perimeter, and this is now producing some of the best offense the Bucks has seen ever. I mean, right now there are six in offensive rating. And you see when when the pick and roll works, when when Dame is allowed to get downhill and there's so much space in front of him and then you can start to spray around, like that creates such good off. And there's there's so many opportunities now to attack mismatches there when defense is scrambling. Giannis attacking a scrambling defense is just a nightmare. And maybe we have to look at them from the lens of, all right, like we said, they're not going to be a top seven defense. Can they be an average? Can can Dame just try hard enough, and then can can Beasley you know not take some possessions off? Because when he plays defense, like he's he's not a bad defender, he's a fine defender. But where's where's the buy in there for sure? And can they get to like 12, 13? Can, can you can it be an average defense and then you know turn things up, shrink the floor in the playoffs? You have you have Giannis, you have Brook Lopez, you have two of the best interior defenders, rim protectors in the league. So. Can we just look at it from a perspective of like, all right, they're not going to be that good defensively, but how good can they get offensively? So I think six, I, I think they 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 can end as like a top three offense in the league. And if they're a top three offense and they still have Giannis, they still have Brooke Lopez, they get Jay Crowder back. I'm, 
you know, we're, we're, we're guessing a lot from getting Jay Crowder back, well, how much better they'll be with him there defensively. But I, I think that they can still put together an average defense and win a championship if they're not top seven. I think that they're that good offensively. And I'm not that – I guess I'm still in a holding pattern because you, you, it feels like there, there's definitely a growing camp among which I believe you are in. You might have arrived at that camp pretty early, the anti-Adrian Griffin camp. But I won't lie to you, like some of the some of the news reporting has been interesting. Like, for instance, the just like talking to players about the loss against the Bulls. There's a very interesting way. It's like if you listen to how the players responded to the choice not to foul at the end, it was very political. It was, it was like very much like trying not to say like basically coach told us not to. Like we're not supposed to, but we should have. Like we should and it was and there's been other interviews like that too where it feels like there's a little bit of a divide between the players and the coaching staff. But, you know, reading tea leaves, you, you don't know where things go. There's obviously going to be adversity like part way through the season. There, there was adversity between Yudoka and the Celtics before they ended up making a big run. So it's too early for me. But what say you? I would say that they are going to regret not hiring Frank Vogel or Nick Nurse. They are mm. going to regret not hiring coaches that know how really are great at getting the most out of their their defenses and have championship pedigree. I think we're going to get to the the summer. The, don't get me wrong. The books are going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be fine. But I think they're going to go out in the second round and then maybe have to think about possibly replacing the coach again because they're they're in a win now championship mode. That's that's just the way that it is. He's a first-year head coach. Obviously, he's trying, really trying to show his authority, really trying to to add his own imprint on this team. And so far, it's not really working. Like the bust up with Terry Stotts, that was very strange. How that that whole thing went down. He's clearly in a position where he knows he's got to be authoritative. He's got to be the big dog. It can't let can't roll over to guys like Dame and and Giannis. But at the same time, those guys have the power. He can't try. He can't be trying too hard to be different and be this new face. And that he has to do what's best for this team. And I think at the moment so far, he hasn't really been doing that. Maybe he'll grow as the season gets on. But I, I'm uh, I'm out on on uh, on Adrian Griffin at the moment, and I I, I truly believe that the the Bucks are going to regret not hiring, but either either Frank Vogel or or Nick Nurse. Who were both I, debatable when they hired. When you put it Adrian when you Griffin. put it in that perspective, all right, like that that makes sense because it's like that that was something that was interesting for me that if you're in a win now mode, you know, getting Adrian Griffin in there was I, I think just like other other teams need other players need a chance to grow. I think coaches also, but having a first year head coach in a win now situation is is tough. Nick Nurse, he like we haven't had the chance to talk about this. Since we're in the East, I'm going to take a second. Like, the 76ers have looked so different offensively. Like, the staleness of last year, of, like, the the spacing that Doc had out there, just the, the way that 76ers squad looked, like, it it was – it it didn't look natural for, like, a modern offense. It did, with the kind of stuff you can run with Embiid, his playmaking – his ability to to do things with perimeter. Nick Nurse went in there and the 76ers are, are running so many more pick and rolls. The 76ers are running way more dribble handoffs. 
they're repositioning so much, but there's so much more motion and there's so much more motion that creates advantages. And that's something that, you know, the 76ers wouldn't have had without, like, there's just plain as day, how much differently they play, how much more dynamic their offense is. So I guess if you think about what they missed out on, if they chose Adrian Griffin, they chose the wrong uh, former Raptors coach, then I get that. And especially the Terry, I think the Terry Stotts thing was super, super underreported. Like Terry Stotts knows Damian Lillard. Terry Stotts and Damian Lillard led the league's top three offense for five years. And you lose him, you you lose that uh, that leadership, you lose that uh, offensive mind. That that was that was a huge huge loss for sure. So. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to be, I, I'm still patient, but I, I see the warning signs. I definitely get it. I think they're a different beast to be evaluated. I'm going to evaluate them more on, on the offense. And I think keeping in mind the pick and rolls for sure, like that, that's an important thing that to track is like, are they, are they getting into the type of offense that's going to produce the best results for this team? Can they get into that? Or are teams able to just disrupt it and they're not able to, to, to really take advantage of having Dame and Giannis out there. And like one of, one of the funny thing is like, it's just, it's the games that they've lost is, is kind of a big thing. Like I mentioned that Bulls game, like that was obviously a shocking game for the, this Milwaukee Bucks team to lose. They've also lost to both the Hawks and the Pacers who are two of the worst defensive teams in, in a lot of, in a lot of cases in the league. And the Bucks still didn't have enough to get the job done. It's those little kind of things that, that have your worry. Don't get me wrong. They could another month from now, they could easily go on like a 10, 12 game win streak that that could definitely happen. And, I, and I'll be, and I'll have a, have a, a foot in my mouth and I won't be able, won't be able to yeah. talk about this, but yeah, it's, it's been a bit concerning just the teams they have lost to so far. I'm thinking about the Raptors too. Like they, the mm-hmm. Raptors were in a streak of terrible offense and it was playing. The Bucks was like a breath of fresh air. They, well, they scored 130 points. The worst half court offense the league scored that, and they they definitely are putting together signature losses in terms of the kind of teams that they're losing to. Not that those are bad teams, but teams that they should be should be beating and not losing badly to. Like, so that's what happens if you have a bad defense for sure. Like you you are going to lose some bad games. We've seen that from the Pacers, but we shouldn't be speaking about those two teams in the same breath. So, point taken. Point taken. I'll, I'll, I guess I have to lock it in. I'll, I'll, I'll lock it in. You locked in about the magic. I'll lock in about the books. They will regret hiring Adrian Griffin. I'll lock that in. Well, who's going to tell you that they regret it? I, I'm going to know. Objective. I'm no, going to know. You, you got to give me some sort of. Are you locking in the books will not make the finals this year? Yes. Okay. Cool. That see there. There's an objective uh, okay. way to measure that. I'm going to. We'll remember this as Damon Giannis are. It's on the big board now, baby. <laughs> um. Should we avoid the pistons for now, or do we have to just get it? Do we eat our vegetables? You've been avoiding our vegetables. No, we'll, we'll, we'll avoid them for now. We'll, 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 we'll go in. <laughs> we're, we're only going to talk about them briefly. So let's let's finish out with our, our last in-depth piece, which is the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then we'll get into the, the pistons and a few other small bits from around the league after that. Let's do it. I, I, I am not that worried about the Cavs. That's how I'll start off. Are you that worried about the Cavs? No. Some people are that worried about the Cavs. I was a bit worried just off the few games that I've watched them play, but looking into them, watching some tape, looking at at, at things from a bit of a, a broader lens has made me in the same boat as you. I, I'm I'm not too, I'm not too worried about about the Cavs anymore. Yeah, like I, I like you. 
you open up the news, you just start reading about the Cavs, and it's like everyone's freaking out. Like, is JV Bickerstaff done? Like, okay, they're pretty close to 500. They should be better. They've had some bad games for sure, but they've also been injured. They they haven't had enough time to have everyone on the court together. Um, but we do have enough data to like look at what these lineups have looked like, and specifically looking at a couple different things. Because I, I think one one legitimate concern that I think we should bring up, you know, is uh, are some of the flaws that we see on the court are those symptoms of an imperfect roster construction? In the same light that we looked at, you know, the Timberwolves and when we were worried in the past um, about the Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns pairing, um, which seems like they've put that to bed. They're staying in the East, so we won't go off on that. But Kat, I'm sorry, let's put that out there. Um, but I, I do want to start off thinking about that because it feels at times that one thing that constantly holds them back is Mobley and Jared Allen on the floor. Like they do so many good things that they kind of like average it out. You know, the, the times when the, the spacing is really terrible, then the next play down, it, there's a big to big pass and, you know, Mobley has a lob and then he lobs it up to Allen and it looks great. And then there are other times where Mitchell's like, has a tremendous move at the perimeter, starts getting downhill, and oh, uh, Allen's in the dunker spot, and Mobley's right next to him, and there's three bigs there, and Mitchell can't get a shot up. And th- there's so many moments like that where it's like, okay, how do, how do they balance this out? Because your best players have to be on the floor, right? And Jared Allen and Mobley are tremendously good players. So, I mean, is there a scenario eventually where they can maximize what they get from the whole team with both Mobley and Allen there, I guess is my existential question for the Cavs. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. And, and, and like you said, like it, it is so tough with Allen Mobley because they've obviously had both had been crucial to like two of the Cavs' biggest wins this year, which against the 76ers and against the Nuggets. Like having Mobley and Allen there was a key, key part to getting those Ws. But I think your point stands. It, it's tough to. That's why I think the rumors are still around that that maybe Mitchell isn't willing to to stick with Cleveland full full time. So I think he maybe thinks he's not getting the best out of himself because of the the two bigs in the lineup. But at the same time, I know it didn't work obviously last year in the playoffs. Obviously, Alan really struggled, and we still haven't really seen that shot develop in any sort of way for Mobley, which is obviously the big uh, the big question mark against him, but. It would be really tough to to split that up and still believe that they can be as good of a team as we saw they, them to be last year. I think. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I go with it because I mean, defensively, they are still really good. Like having Mobley out there, having Jared Allen out there, like it's super hard to score against two uh, mobile bigs like that. Like they they're not plotting bigs. Jared Allen might look like a guy, but he he can get on the perimeter. He can switch a little. He plays really well in the drop, and both of them are so good there. So, like, losing one of them would – I mean, they they would sink defensively because Garland and Mitchell – I mean, we, we talk about bad perimeter defense from Dame and, like, that. Like, the the work that Mobley and Jared Allen have cut out for them is – there's a lot. There's a lot to go around. How many times do you see Garland just die on a screen, Mitchell die on a screen, and then it's all up to Mobley and Allen to, to fix things up. But that's how they keep it going. So – it's it feels like you know they, they make up for each other's um you know deficiencies for sure and but it's it's a question of like you said like Mitchell 
everything runs through Mitchell, right? Because you have your superstar. You have the guy that's that's going to take you somewhere. He's going to be the the tide that raises all boats, so to speak. But does it does it happen as currently constructed? And one thing to look at with him is how do you feel about the pairing with Garland? Like we've had now, two, um, I want to say sixty some games together, and we've seen them thrive off of each other at times, kind of play a little bit your turn, my turn at times. And it feels like it's this is definitely Mitchell's team. But do you feel like that's been a fruitful, you know, relationship that you see turning into like a championship contender, I guess? Because that's that Mitchell's at that stage in his career, right? Yeah, it's it's tough to really talk about them as as a as a dynamic duo as a like a dynamic backcourt duo because it doesn't really I, I, like you say I don't th- think we see them really play off each other that much, but at the same time them coming together got them to the second or the, got them to the playoffs last year got them to the what the fourth seed in the in the East which was a massive improvement on what they've been where they've been uh, since since LeBron had left Cleveland so the improvement is definitely there I think it'd probably be the, the after after this season, next summer it will be a, a a big summer for the Cavs to maybe sit down and have a look and and see what moves could possibly be be made because if they were to stagnate then this year, then you'd really kind of look at it and thinking there there has to be a major change, which it it is possible to see them stagnating, especially with some of the other teams that are that are rising and and they're performing so far this year, but. I still like them as a, as a duo. I think they'll improve this year. I think shooting luck has been difficult for yeah. them. Uh, yeah. Mitchell Garland both shooting 34%. Karis LeVert shooting 31%. Their their percentages were 39, 41, and 39 last year. So taking that sort of hit is going to is gonna hurt the team. If they get back up to a more realistic level, that's going to be a big, a big plus for them. I think Struess has been a good addition. They need George Yang to really right. start hitting his trees uh, more efficiently. That's that's what he's there the for. Last he nine games, he's been better. up to forty five percent. Like he's he's come back on, and that that's one thing that's that's encouraging is is Niang getting there. Yeah, I think there, there there's still a lot to to like about this Cavs team. There's still a lot of areas where they can improve, even just on this season. I think though, this is really it is a tester year for them to to really figure out what they've got. And then after this season, depending on what way it goes, they'll look back and see what changes do we need to make to really find a way to really compete with these top dogs in the East. Yeah, and I I agree with that there's no there's no panic necessarily, but I think that considering all the talent you have on this team and considering the the potential. So I think the potential is there. And, I mean, you, you can see it, too. Like, the secondary unit with Mobley at center, surrounded by Mitchell, Struess, Levert, and Yang, that has been the second-best lineup offensively in the league outside of the Pacers, who, I mean, they they play some alien offense. I don't know how they do what they do. But they had a true shooting percentage of 70%. I mean, the the spacing that they create and the, the playmaking that you get with Mobley and surrounding with shooters, that's, that's, some, that's kind of – that's kind of an alternate universe to this team that I think about. I think about a situation where you have Mobley, who is becoming a lot more confident inside. He's not there yet, but he's getting to the point where, you know, he is able to to play and make from there. He is able to take advantage of some smaller matchups 
And as a playmaker, you know, he's a guy that you surround him with Mitchell, with Garland, with another shooter. And if he had someone at the four who maybe complimented him better as a three-point shooter, because I think right now, I think I'm realizing that Mobley's never going to shoot. He's not like like he's he's getting a little bit more touch from the mid range, but like if he were to become like a three 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 pointers a game player, that would like I'll I'll say sorry, but like it just doesn't seem like he's going to shoot. He's, his release is still kind of slow. I don't think he'll ever get there. Question for you: Would would Tobias Harris be a guy that the Cavs should go after? What? Um, pause. <laughs> Why? <laughs> like. Does he would he not count as a, as a, as a, as a four that that could complement uh, Mobley a bit more as a shooter? Yes, yes, yes. But, um, I mean, all right. Tobias Harris has done tremendous things this year to to really turn things around. And again, thanks Nick Nurse. Nick Nurse is actually using players a little more intuitively. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. Why why Tobias? <laughs> It's just, just price my mind. I was just kind of it's just the of, price tag. I, I was thinking of like realistic kind of fours that are are solid <laughs> defensively and can and can deliver from three. The bias Harris just came into my head for some reason. Yeah, I mean, even even having like lineups. I know he's up have, for he's, he's up for grabs next next summer as well. You know, so yeah, um, up for I, I wonder what he's gonna. That's gonna be the biggest pay cut of all time for him. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, but he's played excellent this year. I gotta gotta give him a shout out. Um. But just th- just think about that because like this isn't a this isn't a um a problem with Jared Allen not at all. I want to make that very clear. Jared Allen is super good. The thing, like I said, the things they do out there are super good. But just imagining more spacing for Garland and Mitchell because that that is something that I want to see more is, you know, the spacing that he had with the Jazz. Like Mitchell could do anything, and that's because they could have vertical spacing with one big on the floor with Gobert rolling to the rim, and they get that when. They don't have Mobley and Allen on the court there, but you can't just constantly be, you know, switching them in and out. Like that, that's not really the best use of your assets either. So if they do end the season, what, like another first round exit, that would obviously, I think, lead to some, to some questions about the future of these guys. But I do want to confirm though for Garland that Garland's fine. Garland's fine. Now, anyone fan, like he's fine. He's had some injuries. He's not shooting as efficiently. But if you look at the sample size of 69 games, him and Mitchell, like his efforts are pretty much the same. Like he scores a couple more points with him off. His shooting percentage is still the same. And I don't think we're really worried about that that pairing. It's more so just can they maximize the spacing? Can they maximize what they do on offense without sacrificing too much defense? And that's uh, I think that that'll be the wrap for them by the end of the season. Do you think they're a 500 team at the end of the year? They'd be above. They they should be. They should be. I'm gonna say at least five games above 500 before the end of the year, given the, okay. the quality of other teams. They should be comfortably above 500 right now. Okay. Are they in the plan? No, I think I think they'll they'll edge into the playoffs. I I still I like as much as I know my hot take was the was the Pacers. I would still believe that the the Cavs have enough to to be above the Pacers possibly be above or match the Heat. Same again with the Knicks and, and even the Magic. And the Magic are going to expect a low. Like there, there's a lot of question marks. There's a lot of ways the, the the Eastern Conference could go. Just like just like the Western Conference, it's a great time in basketball. It's it's very competitive. That so huh, that's interesting. I 
Are they better than are they better than the Hawks? Yes. Are they better than the Pacers? Yes, as much as it pains me to say it. Are they better than the Heat? I can't say that. It's the Heat. Uh, no. Level. Level. Are they better Equal. than the Knicks? Screw that. The Knicks are better. The Knicks beat them in the playoffs last year. Of course they're right, better. That sounds, like the in, sounds like the Cavs are in the play. Um, I don't know. How's that? They're better than the Heat? It's then, they, they're, they're not playing? Okay. Yeah. Not my three places there. They can, they can, they can find it. They're, they're, they're right there. Um, I would love to see a play-in game between them and the Pacers, though. That would be awesome. Like the, I'd love to see a series between them, but that we, we won't see that happen this year, I don't think, based on the way things are seeding out. But the the spacing that the Pacers work with that would really stretch the Cavs then. But then the the interior offense of the Cavs like that that would those games would be the, the no defense by the Pacers, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of no defense. Uh, somebody didn't win a game in over a month. Who's that? Then? Uh, the Pistons have now set a record for the worst losing streak in Detroit history. Um, and I learned something this week. Uh, I have not been paying enough attention to Detroit news. Apparently, there has been a name for the rebuild for the Pistons, and it's called the restoring. Uh, I think it pertains to restoring like Detroit Pistons to their former glory. Um, and I know there's a whole lot of talk about, you know, everything's going to change this year and it has changed in maybe the wrong direction. Um, I really wanted to find a way to like positively spin things. Maybe find a couple tidbits like, you know, oh, this guy's developing blah, blah, blah. Um, I just don't think I could get you hyped about Marcus Sasser, even though he's looked pretty cool. Um, I've liked that really, really fun player, uh, surprisingly good player, unfortunately playing a little bit more than uh, Jane Ivey, a guy that should be playing more. So, I don't know, dude. Where do we start with the Detroit Pistons? I was a little higher on them than I probably should have been. I mean, did they really just give Monty Williams the biggest contract in coaching history? One of them. I anyway? cannot blame this on Monty, man. I can't. Do I know, it. but did I know they people really, are doing it. I can't. Did they do really it. do that to be two and sixteen to start the year? Like, was this a year where they were really like, <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be another tank year. We're gonna be looking for the number one pick in the draft. I really don't think that it is. Like I, I was expecting them to be in a position where they're maybe like six or seven wins at this stage, to be honest. Not anything crazy, but I, I think they, they should have been around that. The fact that they're losing games to like the Wizards as well. They're, they're, losing, they're not just losing to the great teams. like They're losing to the other bad teams too. To not win a game in the entirety of November, like, oh my God. Like And the thing is, yeah, they've got a, a couple of injuries, but for the most part, their best players are there. So, I mean, to go and lose 16 straight like that, I couldn't get over that when I heard they had won a game. They didn't, they didn't win a single game in November. Like, that was just insane. It's a culture thing. It's a culture thing. And I, I want to say that this is a this is such an interesting season because I think there's a lot of teams that um, you can compare and contrast in really meaningful ways. And you look at the Rockets, a team that has a lot of young talent, a team that had a massive culture issue last year. I mean, like the <laughs> poor Eric. I, I can't help but just always remember Eric Gordon's interviews on the sideline after games, and he'd just be like, "Get me out of here." <laughs> and 
look at what they're doing now. Like they got Udoka in there, they got Van Vliet in there, they got Dylan Brooks in there, they got Uncle Jeff in there, they got adults in the room, they got guys that are buying in and they have a real team identity. And I'm not asking Detroit to even like win games. Like, sure, win a couple games, but it's just the look. It's the the lack of togetherness on the court, the lack of you know, because I believe in Monty. Like, Monty developed. Yeah, Chris Paul is there. Chris Paul helped that. But the Suns would not be the Suns without what Monty Williams did with that team. You know, helping develop Mikhail, helping develop Cam, helping, you know, um, uh, did he help Aiton? I don't know. Uh, that's that's chapter for another day. But, you know, what he did there with those young guys mattered. And I can't believe that it it's his fault. <laughs> I don't know. Because it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's a, a real buy-in on the court. The effort's not really there. You know, the the intuitive, you know, set the sets that they're running aren't organized. Like it's it's just not good basketball when you watch it. And this is why I only watch a few quarters of Detroit basketball, but it's just bad. It's bad. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they deserve a the closer look later, but you know I can't find the, any, there is any... there isn't much more to say. Like it's just it's just awful. They are looking like one of the worst teams in the history of the NBA, based off the fact that they shouldn't have been ultra tanking this year like they are. They should have been in a position where they were close to winning six or seven games this year to start to start off this year. Obviously, not one of the best teams in the East. No, not getting to that level, but they should have been right in the outskirts of the plane right now, not completely tanking for they must think Webanyama is still in the draft or something there or something crazy like that hey. but funny funny stat about it two years ago Monty Williams led the Suns to uh, only wins in November and now this year he's leading the Pistons <laughs> to only losses in November <laughs> when do we start to criticize Cade soon i mean he's your guy and go ahead go right ahead like you you want to criticize him oh uh, nah okay well, we'll give him a pass for, I, for a little while will we? but i'll put it this way um and can we do some fast break cool. we got time for fast break all right we'll, we'll start it off but we'll we'll transition here uh 2021 draft cade cunningham pick number one overall very obvious pick next jason tatum slash don church whatever would you take him or Scotty Barnes? And right now you're going Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is a big with can playmaking, score the ball, and, and, and contribute a lot more. But like last cool. this time last year, I wouldn't have said that. <laughs> cool, cool, cool. Would you take him or Evan Mobley? I'd still take him. I think he has more hmm, okay. more more of a more of a ceiling to really be a leader of a team. Okay. Would you take him or Jalen Green? Him. Still him. Jalen Green hasn't shown um, enough yet. Okay. Um, would you take him or Franz Wagner? Him just... One of them actually just, likes to play defense. One of them yeah. actually likes playing defense. Yeah, that, that's true. But uh, yeah, the fact that I think Franz is more of a two guy, as much as he's kind of there with with uh, Bankera, I think that the, the fact that the one guy of, of, of K that he's capable of being, I think it hasn't the edge there. Got it. Okay. And that concludes the somewhat redraft of 2021. Um, You got any uh, fast break points? 
I mean, we just we got to do our weekly Wemby check-in. I mean, the Spurs still oh, suck. They're losing every game. Uh, obviously, Wemby's still playing solidly. Obviously, missed last night's game due to injury. Uh, well, maybe not injury. Hopefully, just a bit of soreness. So, hopefully, he'll be back soon. But, yeah, still doing solid things. Blocking like a machine. I think over the last week, he had more blocks than like uh, like four or five teams or something crazy like that, <laughs> yeah. which was uh, which is pretty funny. But, yeah, he's still just doing, do, doing really Somewhat normal things, somewhat uh, special things, some, somewhere in the middle there. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you this. Uh, who's a better player statistically? Player A, who scores 18 points per game, grabs eight rebounds, getting 2.1 blocks, shooting 54% from the floor and 41% from three. Or player B, who's averaging 19 points per game, 10 rebounds, 2.7 blocks, and shooting 44% from the floor. And twenty seven percent for three. Player A, or player B. Player A, Chet, baby, come on. <laughs> but I thought he had no chance to win Rookie of the Year. I never That's said weird. that. What? We both said that. We both. Said Whoa! That. We I both said, said Chet that. was gonna push him close. I said that man. But you said he's gonna push him up, but it's not. We 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 had a this. I'm not taking that. I'm not taking that. I I was I was happy to 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 give uh, to give Chet his flowers before the start of the season. Uh, a couple more. Who will have the best defense by the end of the year? T-Wolves, Celtics, or Magic? T-Wolves. They'll be they'll, they'll find a way to be the healthiest somehow. Mm. Who wins seven-game series? The Magic against the Heat. The Heat. I still have to say Jimmy. Jimmy will just step up. Okay. All and right, do you want to so... know something funny that I actually researched? Funny thing. <laughs> Jimmy Butler is... 42nd overall in playoff points and 187th in regular season points. <laughs> I don't I believe that. that. I believe crazy, that 100%. 100%. Um, and that that's all I got featuring our, our magic uh, quick points. And we've now admitted Chet is better than Wimby. You said it yourself. Player A is better than player B. Right there. Yeah, right now he is. Simple. That's the way it is. Moving forward, maybe not, but there's a battle there. There's a battle to be yeah. had there. That's a new rivalry we're gonna see. It's gonna be the next Bill Russell, Will Chamberlain there. You know, I I just can't believe how good both of them are, and they're both on my fantasy team. That's why I just have to talk about that. But mm-hmm. we'll we'll get back to the West. We'll we'll have a little more time to talk about Chet. But um, in the East, man, things are tight. I mean, just looking, just closing on thinking about the East, like the. The amount of teams that have shown things, like even the Hawks, like the Hawks have had their moments where it's like, okay, I think they're they're making come back. There are things. Trey all of a sudden can shoot three again. That's mm-hmm. a thing. Um, and seeing what we've seen from the 76ers, like they're a force to be reckoned with, like how they've developed over the season. You know, Nick Nurse, what they what he's done to transform this offense. And, you know, everyone who's saying that um your boy is cooling off. I think Tyrese Maxey is he's still gonna be an all-star level player end of the year. Like there's, there's just, there's a lot of talent here. Um, who knows if, if the Raptors end up making a move, but I think the Eastern conference, this is my last fast break point. Do you think the Eastern conference is more competitive in the West? Ooh, it's, it's closer than I thought it would be. That's I would say it. I think, I think the I think we were before the season, it was like, Oh, West is going to be ultra, ultra competitive. So close, so close. But the East is kind of right there with it. I mean, you could make the argument for seven, eight teams that want to that are playing like they want to be in the top six and maybe should be in there, and, and probably the same at West. 
Yeah, I mean, you look at the West, like Spurs, Grizzlies, Jazz, Blazers. Those are four teams that are just not not going to be competitive by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you compare that. Yeah, you have the Pistons, Wizards, Bulls, Hornets. What if we just had like a you – know, you know what I want to see? I want to see a a draft where the worst teams in the league have to play each other for the top picks. Like imagine a, a bracket of the Blazers, Jazz, Grizzlies, and Spurs against the Hornets, Bulls, Wizards, and Pistons. <laughs> that would be pretty fun to be sure, to be honest. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll mark it there. That that's that's got to happen in the future. But yeah, all in all, to say Eastern Conference, it's tough, it's tight. Little things could change things. I think you know Pacers had a hot start. What are they nine and eight now? Cavaliers ten and nine. Two teams that could break either way. Hawks nine and nine. They could break either way. Nets I think will end as a five hundred team. Raptors, I think they're better than the record shows. And the Hornets, DBD. Last question, actually. Is Levine actually hurt? BS or not BS? Is the Rose actually hurt? hurt? There's no market for him, so. No no, 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 no trade market for Levine. They're they're, they're Woge words yesterday. There is no market for Zach Levine. Yeah, who told him that? The Bulls, I'm sure. Woj knows. Don't yeah. don't discredit Woj. Come on. I'm all right. Let me lock this in. Before the trade deadline, Levine will be in a different jersey. Okay. I I guarantee it. Too guarantee like, it. All right, we got three or three new additions. Three new additions to the big board. Okay, I like that, man. Okay, well, that's gonna do it for today's episode. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember. If you're on Spotify, you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us that five-star review. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe, leave a comment. Let us know what you guys are thinking. How are you feeling about the East versus West? How are you feeling about Wemby and shit? Remember that we are everywhere on social media at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.